explode them to the Old Man Orange podcast. I'm Spencer Scott Holmes, bringing you another Old Man Orange Presents via VHS episode. One of them from the rarities vault that we have from back in the day that just never got put out. So come join us for another fun-filled retro movie review. Let's jump on in. So welcome to the Via VHS podcast. I'm Wesley, along with my co-host, Spencer Scott Holmes. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, man, what's up? Oh, not much, you know. Can't wait to talk some good old Western 80s style. Gonna get yeah. deep dive into it. Rex Daytona and Pete Provo here. Yeah, it's so confusing. We need to we need to <laughs> we need to stick to what we want to use. I, well, I, I like our like fun names. Our like almost like radio host like kind of like I don't know our shock jock names. I don't know how shocking we are, but um, you know I, I like having that. But it's also was ones like you know in life you can only remember so many names. I even forget my own when it comes to that. <laughs> Yeah. Well, see, the thing is, it totally did not take on the direction I was intending with these names. See, I was intending, like, really cool 80s action names, like Axe Bladesaw or uh-huh. Laser Nighthawk or something. And we ended up with these very borderline porn names. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of true. Rex Daytona really also has that feeling like if there was, like, a 1991, like, kids NASCAR show, that feels like a character straight mm-hmm. out there. <laughs> Pete Provo's like uh the alternative like stand in for um whatever Dirk Diggler and like Boogie Nights. <laughs> the, the male the male fluffer is also thing. <laughs> exactly. The guy who gets Marky Mark ready. Well, I, I, I talked to Alex. Mm-hmm. Um good old Alex. We haven't talked to him in a while, but he I said, Hey I mentioned to him coming on the show in the future this is a while back. I said, hey, we got nicknames now. <laughs> and uh, his was like Cinnamon something. I'm a bro. And then so he, he was like Cinnamon Bear or something like that. Yeah, was he like, a okay, dancer? Well. Yeah, I mean, but honestly, his own brand at this point. Yeah. I mean, it's own brand. So I've kind of given up on the the really cool, um, you know, you know, something Nate McThunder or something like that. Nate McThunder. Yeah, see, that's what I was going for. See, I, I like, like that because that. That, that reminds me. That's like that feels like a Thunder in Paradise name right there. Thunder in Paradise. <laughs> yeah, there might be a Thunder in Paradise episode coming up in the near future. There, there might be. There, there, there is some Thunder in Paradise. There might be more Thunder in Paradise episodes coming up in the in the there deep future. The, yeah. Deep future. Deep future. We have to do that. There's. We have really sucked at. The TV thing. We've, we've been wanting to throw some TV stuff in there. Well, TV's tough. Um, it is tough. I, I think um, so Briscoe County Jr. needs to happen. Yes, yes. It's somewhere back there. You got, oh, you got on your shelf? I do. I still don't have my second shelf, so my, my back, you know, my, my, you know, background's still kind of barren. I'm still waiting on shelf number two. I've got a giant, if I could pan the camera, which I'm not going to, I mean, a massive Mm-hmm. Pile of VHS on the floor. Hey, I got here. that too, right down there too, because I just ran out of space yeah. on the shelf. <laughs> yeah, and then my other VHS shelf and so on, like that too. But uh, well, quite frankly, even when I get the second shelf, I'm not feeling confident about getting all these VHS in there. Um, it, it, at least yeah. it's just not gonna be like those moments where like you're putting a bookshelf together and you think it can hold the books, but you don't know that until you've totally filled it to the brim and then it breaks. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, I'm not worried about it breaking. I'm just worried about like running out of room and I just, there's still VHS. Yeah. I'll tell you this. The have... story of my life is that every single time I get a new shelf, I need another shelf. <laughs> Cause it, then it's, then it's maxed up again. You know, I probably have like eight video shelves and I still don't oh, have enough. Great. I still have well, stacks. <laughs> You're just, and I, I mean this, and I'm being complimentary when I say this, but we've discussed this several times before. You're kind of a low-grade hoarder. Okay, <laughs> You know, you're people just... keep saying that, and I, you know what, I, I got, <laughs> maybe I'm not going to lie, that it kind of is. I'm like, I take things in, like, literally, like, if, if there's like a bag of DVDs and someone's like, hey, you want these? I'm like, yeah, give those to me. Well, what's in there? I don't care. I'll take the whole thing. <laughs> well, that's not the problem. It's the well. It's not, and this is not a problem actually. So let me rephrase that. I'm actually extremely jealous of your abilities to keep things intact mm-hmm. because my scatterbrained ass wouldn't. I lose shit all the time. You've got you know surge pencils, right? I do. Right here, just next to me, so I can look at it. I know you can't see these on the screen, but I got my Kevin Nash and Sting WCW pencils. Never been sharpened. I see. All I have to do is say something. You got. I also got Lex Luger one, too, which I think is even cooler than all that, because that just seems even more bizarre. (laughs) The old Lex Luger Luger pencil. (laughs) Somebody stole my Lex Luger pencil. Beat his ass. Wait for him in the cafeteria. Um, yeah, you've had you've got some cool ones. You have to go back in the backlog to find the cool stuff. Yeah, uh, of all the of all the uh, uh, the Spencer's Museum of uh, Nostalgia. Yeah, the, the just um, the random stuff that I've just collected over the years, and you know, just as time goes on, it's it builds impressive. up. Yeah, it is impressive. <laughs> I'm still thinking about the uh, Devil's Advocate T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> that one to go off my Air Force One like purse-looking thing with your your fanny pack. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, anyway, I, I miss those days when you used to get a pay-per-view and they would send you something. I used to get all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah, I never. We never did the pay-per-view thing. Yeah, they, they were they were quite rare actually, but like every single time I did, it was kind of like it felt like it was well worth it. I mean, I remember getting Lost World and you got like an action figure with it. You got really? uh, yeah, Batman and Robin. They just they sent me a Superman action figure. I thought that was a little bit bizarre, but it was like okay, cool. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I didn't, mm. but I, I can't complain. I got to see a lot of movies for free as mm-hmm. a kid. Well, yeah, because you, you know out you had you had Alex the movie theater. And- Access. Yeah, yeah. The poster collection. The poster collection. I firmly have all of them ready to do something with them. I don't know what I'm going to do. But um, anyway, uh, so we're this episode, we're going back to 1985. Um, We did Free Jack last week from 1992, and Mm -hmm. somehow that felt much older than this movie from 1985 that we're about to do. Well, this movie sounds weird. Um, it feels like it's a 90s movie, though it's actually an 85 film. Yeah. It feels well, very proto. Well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's um, just to kind of set it up. We'll go into the review, obviously, in a few minutes, and then we'll, uh, but we'll have the um, flashback portal first, and we'll go over that in just a moment. But it's, um, it's on Netflix. If you've never seen Silverado, uh, you've got a window to go see it. It's um, first thing that jumps out at, at you is Lawrence Kasdan. Mm-hmm. You know, this is prime Kazdan here. He's yeah. uh, he did those 
a few of those like kind of like underground hits, you know, like Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, he just a little and, assistant uh, writer to you know old George Lucas there. Yeah, but he was very influential, and of course the the um, you know Indiana Jones films, mm-hmm. Big Chill, but also Silverado. He also did Wyatt um, Earp, the one that you know most people look at me like blasphemy, but I like that one more than Tombstone. I love Tombstone, don't get me wrong, but they're both good. I mean, yeah. it, it's just Val Kilmer and Tombstone is, is just it's um, a special thing. Yeah, Val Kilmer is very, is. He is very magical. But so is, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, not not, not Randy Quaid. Hand. Dennis Quaid. Yeah. <laughs> we get the Quaid's and stuff. I have problems with that. Well, it's, I can always remember Randy Quaid's name. It takes me a second to remember Dennis, so I have to say Randy to get to Dennis. <laughs> then I go, I oh, yeah. I remember their names, and I remember if you showed me their face, I'm like, that one's in this movie, that one's in this. I don't get them literally mixed up. Mm-hmm. I just get their first names mixed up yeah it's just a thing i don't know why i do that uh but the quades uh what we're talking about oh yeah silverado mm-hmm. um so yeah it's it's one movie that um the first uh, the first thing i noticed um because add ooh shiny the poster is legit yes that very poster cool is fire. there's there's a few different variations of it and all of them are mm-hmm. sexy oh They're yeah totally very sexy poster um and just the name silverado it's just cool, you know. It's mm-hmm. not about the truck. No, Don't get your hopes up. That's one thing you can't just type 1985 Silverado lots of times in there, or else yeah. the truck appears first. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's you know Lawrence Kasdan at the height of his powers, and then this cast. Holy oh, cow! The cast is out of this world, and it's one of those ones I'll say is in 1985 that it wouldn't feel as out of the world at the moment, but in time, it's like you're getting tons of these kind of guys that are going to be humongous as you know we go on. Yeah, you got a few of them that are kind of already. I don't want to say a listers, but they're kind of on the verge of they're well, they're at least well known. A yeah. few of them. But they're not at the height yet. And then you got a, a, a few guys that are just not, they haven't had their big breaks yet, but they're about to, mm-hmm. particularly Kevin Costner. Yeah, exactly. Kevin uh-huh. Costner, Danny Glover. Yeah, then this is before Lethal Weapon. Mm-hmm. This is also yeah. before Color Purple, even, too. Yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's right before it. Yeah. And then, okay. um, uh, then also, um, there's one. There's a third one. Who's it? The other one that dropped toll blank. Goldblum's in there. Yeah, Jeff Goldblum. That, that's the that's the other real big one too. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, the two main characters are Kevin Klein and oh, geez, uh, Scott Glenn. I had a look over. Thank at you. It. I always forget his uh, name. Yeah, you know. And so I mean, I mean, like, those guys right there are just already ginormous too. Scott Glenn looks like uh, Carradine. Yeah, he loves a like David Carradine quite a bit. Yeah, they they. They just kind of cross over in my mind a little bit. But, um, yeah, so Silverado's got a great cast. It is got a great director. And, um, you know, after some of the shit we watched <laughs> and the all... shit we're going to watch, <laughs> this was refreshing. Yeah, well, this movie is one of those ones where it's like it's almost like a pure perfect film. Like the whole way through, it's great. Everything about yeah. this movie just kicks ass. Um, underrated hit. Oh yeah, totally. We'll just go ahead and say it. Well, yeah. And I, you know what I think it is though. It's because this sounds kind of weird, but once you're in like the '80s, the '80s isn't really a popular time for western and so on. Because no. really, Young Guns was sort of the thing that brought back westerns. And this is you know four years before Young Guns one and what though. Yeah, exactly. Kind of. <laughs> but it's one of those things that like. 
I think it's just kind of like that Generation X time period where it's just like, oh, that's what my dad's into is like Westerns so. and all that. Kind. It's the same problem that 007 has, too, is that like in the 80s, it's like I think all the kids are just looking at me and like, oh, geez, here's like my dad's going to drag me to, oh, you know. And so there's this like there's this like generation gap because it sounds weird. There's like sometimes there's people that are like, you know, older than us that I remember being about like in their 50s and they really didn't like Westerns very much. Like Westerns was that kind of thing that like, no, 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 I don't I, I don't like Westerns. And I don't know if it just brings back like non flashbacks of them of their dad just watching 24 7 like marathons or something like that but you know so, so there, there, there's like this period that gets kind of lost and I think that's where this film sort of falls into but what I really think also it is though it's Lawrence Kasten coming in and really almost in a sense doing the George Lucas Steven Spielberg thing of being like you know what stuff we really love from like the 40s and 50s was all that you know western TV show we kind of grew up the same way that Star Wars is kind of like hey all those cool pulps and things like that that's what this is because this when you watch this you're like holy crap it's just like literally like let's take like almost like a greatest hits of those you know the pre like Sergio Leone type westerns kind of even though it still has I think influences from that but like more like the 40s 50s that kind of era and just really bringing all the greatness of that out and slamming it together in this one film and that's what you get in Silverado uh, you you hit on something with the TV thing mm-hmm. uh, that we'll get to in the review because I just well I, I say I think this would have made a, a tremendous TV series or even just like a mini series. Yeah. I kind of stretch it out a little bit and kind of like build it because this the characters are so good in it that you want more. Yeah. And um th- that's the unfortunate thing is you don't get any more at this film. It's not a wasn't a bust. It just wasn't Yeah, know, it just it, it wasn't the hip thing at the time. Well, we'll, there's a good reason why, and I think we'll kind of uncover the truth of that in the flashback portal. I think so. That was an unintentional segue. Yeah, I I think if we would have used an old-fashioned flux capacitor, we'd be getting a little too close. Yeah, I think so. I think so. You know what? Let's just go ahead and uh, jump into the good old flashback portal. Uh, the pause is going to be awkward on Twitter. It's just kind of weird. So if you're watching, we're going to have to get the soundboard going so that we actually have something to like. Yeah. Well, when we get the, if you're watching this, we're we're testing this thing out, but we're pretty satisfied with what with Streamyard, and I mm-hmm. think we're going to do the the full shebang, and which will allow us to do some other really cool things uh, that we can't yet do. But I'm not investing until after this youngin's born, because yeah, because you you don't know what the youngin can do. Yeah, exactly. I don't know what's going to happen that month. Um, so I'm going to start piling episodes. But anyway, uh, we're in the flashback portal. If you never listened to this before, um, basically, this is when you go back in time and you look at the pop culture surrounding the movie that we're reviewing. So in this case, we're going back to July 10th, mm-hmm. 1985. Um, I knew immediately one of the movies and some of the some of the songs that we might see going into this before I even had to look it up. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, they're a little further down. So we'll, we'll, start, we'll start with the billboard because damn. Yeah. Um, so refreshing. We do the 90s billboard. It's like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. But man, the 80s. 80s and 70s. So. Oh, that one 70s one we did was fire. <laughs> yeah, that's what I good. mean. Yeah. I think it was good. Uh, I can't even remember what movie that was now, but man, it was good. Yeah, I guess. Um, so number one on the Billboard charts. Uh, speaking uh, of you to kill, oh Duran Duran. There we yeah, go. There well, go. that's pr- probably close to my favorite 007 theme. Mm. So it's up there. Like I, I would say, top three at least. I, I honestly think 
the more I listen to it, License to Kill is my favorite. I didn't That's realize how much until we reviewed it, it I, how much I love that one. Yeah. That one's really good. And I like the Jack White. I like actually Quantum of Solace. Mm-hmm. A lot too. It's a, that, that, that one took me. Me. It took me a moment to warm up to that one, but I came around to yeah. it. Yeah, no. I mean, and then the Chris Cornell. I mean, we can go on for days on that, but I, I like. Yeah, I pretty could. much like them all, but. Um. But um. Yeah, that's that's a good one. Uh, you know, there's a girl that's been on my mind mm-hmm. all the time. All the time. Susu Studio. <laughs> <laughs> um, good old Phil Collins there. Got some feel. Is that, is that Phil Collins by himself, or is that Phil Collins of Genesis? That's, oh. Yeah, that's just feel Genesis okay. ain't fucking around with that shit. <laughs> <Come on. laughs> like, I, I can't remember exactly the top of my head. I mean, if it was like, Phil's gonna go to him like, "Hey, I got this uh, song called Susie Studio. Let me check it out." And like, <laughs> like We're did, did you just stutter shit. right there, real quick? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah Susie Studio. Well, my my mother in law, she might be listening. Her, she's uh, she's Sue. Mm-hmm. So I call her Susie Studio every once in a while. <laughs> um, but um, you know what she didn't wear? Yeah, what she not wear? A raspberry beret. <laughs> um, raspberry beret. So we got Phil Collins of Prince back to back. Yep, yep, yep. Feeling it. Uh, the search is over uh, by Survivor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Would I lie to you? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I'm asking. The eurythmics eurythmics want to know. Oh, yeah. There you go. I would lie to you. They're asking. Um, Every time you go away, Paul Young, Mm -hmm. number six. Um, You Give Good Love by Whitney Houston, number seven. Oh, yeah. That was kind of a big one. There's one song I'm really waiting for to pop up on here, but maybe it just doesn't make it right yet. Is it from the movie that you know is number one at the box office? Yes. No, it's it's not on there. It's too early. I'll be so pumped. Yeah, it's not... Risen up the charts, but there's another movie song you're about to hear, and we'll talk about it in just a second. Mm-hmm. Um, at number ten, but we're not there. Um, Voices carry by Till Tuesday. I like that song. Oh, uh, yeah. Voices carry. Um, um, Glory days. That's what oh. we're living right now. There we go. Glory Good old, old Bruce Springsteen. Glory days, <laughs> <laughs> young girls. Um, just talking about all the people that you know were cool in high school, and now what the hell happened? <laughs> They weren't, good enough, um, they weren't good enough, though. You know who's good enough? Yeah. The, go- the Goonies. Oh, there we go. Cindy Lauper. The Goonies are good enough at number 10. <laughs> good enough for me. I like some Cindy Lauper. I, that's probably... I like that Cindy Lauper song. It's mm-hmm. a good one. Um, not going to... Obviously, we can go... Three we days. can talk about this whole, you know, Billboard Hot 100 and just have so much fun because I'm just scrolling down and just... Hit, hit, hit. Tears. We got some tears for fears on here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am scrolling down for one reason. Because mm-hmm. you want to know. I want to know. I'm going to spoil it a little bit what we're going to talk about in the, on the uh, box office charts. But The Power of Love. Oh, there we go. Lewis in the news. It's number 29. See, it, Obviously it, it, rising up. It, it's rising up there. Such a good song. Like That, that to me is like, if, if I think of like a song of kind of like my youth right there, Huey Lewis. But you know, this was the peak position for this song. It, it, uh, never it went farther. Nine. No, it's, it's kind of. It, I'll say it's, that it's, this sounds kind of weird because most people would be like, "What?" But that song I feel is probably a little bit too heavy for like the top charts, and it sounds weird because you're saying using the word "heavy" and Huey Lewis in the same sentence. But it's like I feel like it's probably just a, a little bit too rock and roll to like continue climbing on that pop chart in a sense. 
Well, it's definitely more appreciated now than it was then. Yeah. Song. And you know what it probably is? It's, it's one of the many things where the kids, like the young kids, really liked it a lot. The older kids are like, whatever, man. Going back in time is not that cool. Like, Yeah, well, that's the thing. I think that um, I might be completely wrong with this. I have a feeling they were the studio was wanting to push more of the other song. Gotta go back in time. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. I think they wanted to push that one, and then they pushed Power of Love more, and Power of Love is awesome. It's one of my favorite 80s songs. Not just because it's Back to the Future. Just, yeah, no, it's, it's a real solid song. I mean, that. And yeah. I also love the very, very short but awesome Michael J. Fox cover of Power to Love in the movie. That's supposed to be mm-hmm. like the, the super like heavy version of it. I, I, I love to hear that whole thing. Like if his oh, band, yeah. that would be so cool. Um, just real quick, two other songs that, before we get to the box office because it ties mm-hmm. right in. Two other Here's a hint of what's to come at the box office. We don't need another hero. Oh, there we go. Let's Mad Max first. 3. Yeah, and we got some St. Elmo's Fire. Man oh. Emotion. Yeah. We, we've referenced this one before. Man <laughs> Emotion. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Billboard charts. I mean, I can talk all day long yeah. about all this. Um, Chimney Christmas is so good. I'm just looking at it. Um, yeah. Damn. Yeah, no, that, that, that's, that, that's a solid one right there. I mean, I'm, I'm already mm-hmm. sold with just Power I Love and uh, We Don't Need Another Hero. I mean, that's yeah. our, those are already go-to songs. Like, hey, you need to get in the mood to like get some work done. You put those songs on. You're getting pumped up. I agree. Well, let's look at the uh, box office charts from July 12th through 18th. It's kind of weird because this movie premiered on a – on the 10th, but this is the mm-hmm. 12th through 18th. So it's a new movie this week, but it doesn't have all the days. It's kind of weird how this all works out. I don't know if because of July 4th, everything was kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they, they, they might have structured, because a lot of times when there's a holiday, they suddenly structure those movie releases differently. Right. This is just kind of odd how this is structured. So the the box office might have suffered a little bit from this. It just not literally suffered, but just suffered in terms of ranking on this chart. But um, um, there are three new movies this week. Um, they're coming in at number two, number four, and number seven. Um, number two is Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Mm-hmm. Uh, bringing them $14 million. A four is Silverado, bringing in $6 million. And then seven is this little film called Explorers, bringing in $5 million. Yeah. Um, and those are the new films this week. Mm-hmm. Um, number one at the box office, best movie of all time. <laughs> best movie of all time. Back to the Future. Yeah. Number one at the box office. What can I say? Um, number three, Cocoon. Oh, yeah. There's another human. That, that's one of those movies that was a huge movie, and I feel like it's kind of like, I don't hear it brought forgotten. up. Yeah, totally forgotten. But I just remember when that movie kind of came out and into the early 90s, you always would hear someone talking about it, and it would always play on TV and whatnot. It was a big deal movie. Good old Ronnie Howard. Oh, Ronnie Howard. Remember when we did our um, Jewel of the Nile? Not mm-hmm. Jewel of the Nile. The, no, Romancing, um, Romancing the, Stone. the Stone. The Romancing the Stone episode. The Romancing the Stone episode. If I remember correctly, Zemeckis was supposed to do Cocoon. Yes, I think it's one of those I ones. Got, I got fired because Romancing the Stone was supposed to be ass. And then it was released, and it was an ass. It was great. Mm-hmm. And then he got Back to the Future. So there's kind of like a link between Back to the Future and Cocoon because it was that was supposed to be Zemeckis. 
mm-hmm. and he ended up doing Back to the Future instead. And he got his way because he basically got to, you know, yeah. tell the studio to eat a whole dick. Yeah. Which, um, I, I from what I've I've been watching that um movies that made us uh-huh. thing on Netflix. Have you watched any of that? I haven't watched those. I remember watching it when it had like the toys that made us. I was, I was watching them like at the hospital. I remember. <laughs> I was like, hey. Here we go. Here's some no. Transformers and some Ninja Turtles and all this kind of stuff. The movies that made us is even better, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, they've done several movies, but Back to the Future and um, they do a Cocoon Back to the Future one? and Forrest Gump. They haven't done Cocoon, <laughs> but they did Back to the Future and Forrest Gump. <laughs> and Zemeckis was a, had a little bit of a temper, from what I understand. Uh-huh. Uh huh. See, so he was- wasn't time. Ty- Tyrant level like Cameron, but he was yeah, or uh, what's he was fucking around. Either. What's his name? Tim Burton and all that kind of stuff too. Yeah, yeah. I just would feel intimidated on a Tim Burton set. Yeah, I just feel like if you weren't wearing a funny hat, he's not going to treat you right. I feel like I would like sitting like at lunch with the goth kids, and I like them a lot, but I don't have anything to talk about. Yeah, but then you, then you realize that they don't really like you, but you think that they like you, and then it just becomes this weird, awkward thing. And Yeah, so like, I'm like, hey guys, what do you think of the power of love by Hugh Lewis, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No? Oh, okay. Oh, that's okay, I'll just go put on my two polos and flip up my collar, and oh, I'm out of here. See you guys. I wasn't there. <laughs> I fit in nowhere. Yeah, that's kind of how it is. But really, in seeing this list of these box office movies coming out, this tells me right here why Silverado just didn't make at Gangbusters. It's a kind of, I mean, it did decent, but like when you're competing against not only Back to the Future, but Cocoon and Mad Max 3, like that's. And the Goonies is still oh, in the Homeless Fire. They're, yeah, well, still, they're and, still on the list. Too. And see, the worst part, too, is now this is kind of grabbing every kind of uh, conceivable audience member. So Silverado's kind of, it feels like this is a movie that's really like trying to grasp that like give or take about middle-aged kind of man like between probably 40 and 60 not saying that maybe older people might not like it too but i feel that's the target audience that it's sort of shooting for is hey guys remember when you were a kid that's totally what this this movie's like that that nostalgic flick of uh the 80s for like a certain generation uh well speaking the number five on the list mm-hmm. uh, speaking to brian Dennehy, uh, a franchise that has him as a evil sheriff uh rambo first blood Part two is number five on the list. Oh, geez. Well, see, then you got, yeah. God, well, that, that's just, that, that's just a yeah. tough, uh, no matter, I don't care. You, you could have the best movie in the world. And I mean, I'll say Silverado is pretty much like a perfect flick, but you're competing with so much right there. If this movie would have been made three, well, I'll go ahead and say three to four years later with the same cast, mm-hmm. been a whole different story. Been a whole different story because um, for the writer of it, Raiders of the, the Indiana Jones trilogy, and then it's got Danny Glover. Da, 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 da. You know, all these all these people went up a notch. Yeah, after this, was particularly Kevin Costner. Yeah, because he would have been and like still, No Way Out, and like uh, that's what he would have been in right there at the late eighties. Yeah, uh, well, Untouchables eighty nine, Bull Durham. Yeah. Um. Yeah. We're, yeah. We'll say if it was released in eighty nine. Yeah, yeah. You would, you, you actually would. know. You don't release shit in '89. Actually, I remember that now. Yeah, Batman. '89 was a pretty, pretty solid year. Well, there was a lot. Yeah, going on that year. So happened to UHF. Yeah, um, I mean, it's one of those month. ones that probably Silverado, if it would have been released, even maybe just only a couple of months difference, maybe I don't know what the full spectrum of uh, this was, but you know, 
I think just hitting right in that holiday period right there of like the dead of summer and going up against just so much. Because, you know, I always have to say is like the average person probably only has money and time for one movie per month. Just a regular mm-hmm. Joe coming in to see the cinema. Not the person who loves movies. The person who loves movies is going to go see She's everything. willing to pay. Willing to pay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, because just, you know, yeah, you know, unless you're super into movies, you know, most people don't go once a week, if not more than that. You know, they mostly go, OK, it's a special occasion. We're going to go once a month. I mean, maybe back in, you know, the 80s, you might go a little bit more because there's, you know, once again, the movies has a bigger presence at that point. But still, mm-hmm. I, I, I think features the movie you're going to see. Yeah, but that's the thing. It's it. like Bad to the Future. And if you already saw Back to the Future, then you're probably going to see Mad Max next. If you're older, you're going to probably see Cocoon. If you're uh Younger, you're going to see the Goonies. If yeah. you know, what was, what was the other one? We had one other one on there. I'm totally. What was the other real big one? Um, Back to the Future, Mad Max, Goonies. Oh, Rambo, Rambo. Rambo. Probably yeah. if you're in about like your 20s, you're going to go see Rambo too. Well, that was Rambo. Crowd was like, I ain't going to see no Alex P. Keaton riding around. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because Rambo almost feels like that, especially Rambo two. That that goes to it's like any anybody who's like right there, like late teens, early twenties, getting right in the bodybuilding and uh, military. Yeah, <laughs> feel just getting yeah. pumped up. Michael J. Fox, little punk ass bitch. I ain't watching him. <laughs> God damn it! I always think uh, just uh, whenever I think of a movie being the wrong demographic. <laughs> And we're going, to, we're going to cut you the rewind review after this. I just always laugh so hard thinking about this. I want to see Talladega Nights. And um, I was really excited to see it because I'm a part of that movie. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, on, on the side of the road. And um, there was, I was so excited to see it. I sat in the, like the back row. And it was this only one other person up there. It was m- me and my wife, but my girlfriend at the time. And um, this guy, and he was sitting like four or five seats down from us. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> he was like, uh, "That first, the first thing you see in Talladega Nights is that quote by Eleanor Roosevelt, hot, nasty, badass speed. And then he goes, oh, shit, fuck this. He got up and left. He thought it was going to be like Days of Thunder. <laughs> He's just kind of some salty old dude, jeans too tight, you know. And uh, just uh, just kind of straddled out of there like, yeah, I ain't watching this shit. <laughs> I don't know why. That, that reminds me of like t- two stories. One, I don't know why. When you mentioned Talladega Nights, I almost want to say I remember somebody when that movie coming out, like almost getting offended that movie. Like they were making fun of NASCAR and there was no way he was going to be a part of that. Like, I, I don't know. I, I hadn't thought about that in years. And I started thinking that. So granted, there always is whenever it comes to any of that kind of stuff. But the second thing is when you say the guy walking out, one of my favorite ones I remember is going to see Bruno, the Sasha Baron Kona movie in theaters. And we we go in there. Of course, it's me and three other dudes. So it probably just looks like the gayest pack going in. And then there's like these good old boys come on in with their girlfriends. And they got the big old cowboy hats on and everything like that. And they mm. sit down. I'm like, I don't know if they know what they're getting into here and so <laughs> on. And about halfway into that movie, when there's a swinging penis going around and everything like that, you could just see him like, OK, uh, time to step up and get out. <laughs> Couldn't handle it anymore. Guys, we should have seen that new Western flick out called Brokeback. That's yes. what we should have seen. I don't know what it's about, but that's what we should have seen. That's more up our alley, I think. 
I I love when people walk out. That's like one of my favorite things in the movie theater. Like, like, and I'll say it's like I think is if you're making a movie and you can get people to walk out, that's probably almost just as good as people standing up and applauding at the end because it's almost like wow, you offended that person so much. It depends on why. (laughs) Well, yeah, I guess that's true. You don't want them walking out because your movie technically sucks. But like when you get to the point where like you offended it, like I remember just one more small story. But like it was Captain America one. Well, Captain America as in the first Avenger one, not technically the older movies. But um, I remember seeing that one in cinemas and about like a quarter of the way or so into it, this like 90, like 80, 90 year old couple gets up and walks out. And all I could picture this guy saying to his wife is being like, it's like, that shit didn't happen like that. I served with the captain. <laughs> I was there. Yeah, I was there. Like, yeah, they got all the facts wrong. <laughs> That's all I thought. It's like he just walked out of there. I don't know what he was expecting. Maybe he was expecting like Saving Private Ryan, uh, Captain America style or something like that. But yeah, I'm trying to think. Of, the only other time I saw a lot of people walk out was that night when we they got surprised at Alamo. They were going to show Terminator Two, and then Arnold comes on the screen. Surprise! We get to show, and then they're like, Ah, we're going to show Junior. No, no, they showed they showed the new one, Dark Fate. Yeah, that's probably about. Uh, <laughs> been better the Junior, Junior probably would have been safer choice. Okay, don't get wrong, I like I, I still like Dark Fate, but uh, it doesn't it doesn't help a I whole like lot of causes. Fate. Arnold's amazing, and you know Linda yeah. Hamilton's last, good. Last thing before we go to the rewind review, best Terminator sequel. I think that's it. Dark Fate. I think so. Really? I mean, I, I, well, sorry, Terminator 2 sequel. I, I apologize. Oh, okay, yeah, well, that makes sense. Terminator. Yeah, no, it's not better than Terminator 2. I Terminator, mean, Terminator 2, and then Dark Fate, in my opinion. It's better than Genesis. It's better than really? Salvation. I, I actually personally really. like Genesis a lot. That one I was really impressed. I mean, don't, I like all six Terminator movies, but Dark Fate's probably my least favorite. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah I, like I mean, Dark I... I had his problems. I, I, yeah, I enjoy it, but it, my problem always is, I know this is just a tangent of tangents of tangents, but uh, is the Terminators just keeps like repeating the same thing instead of pushing the story forward. Yeah. You're, if you're watching on Twitter, you get to see a live look at <laughs> what we edit out of the show. Yeah. And I just save for whatever reason. It's okay. It's, it's, we, have all, we have these all the time. You never get to hear them. So if you're watching live, you're welcome. There um, you go. But anyway, we're going to take a quick fake break. Like literally five seconds in Twitter time. And uh, we're going to jump into our rewind review of Silverado. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Take a big old sip of water here. Yeah, get the swig going, but... Get the boy, swig. Boy, Silverado, though, like, if if you want one of those, like, just ultimate, like, fun-filled, great story, amazing acting, a humongous cast, cool scenery, all that kind of stuff, Silverado just delivers. And I'll say, you know what? It, it delivers right off the bat. That yeah. movie has such a good intro where it's just... um. Right in the beginning, you're in this like confined, like tiny little cabin, and it goes right into a shootout. You know, yeah. and it's I almost uh, felt like I missed something for a second. Yeah, because like, it, totally it, it has yeah, that it feeling really like rough. walking to a theater and being like, "Oh shit!" Uh, like I thought we were just gonna miss the trailer. Trailers. The next thing you know, uh, we walked in a little too late. But it just yeah. gets right off the bat, like almost like a 007 intro, and there's just this big shootout and everything like that. And one of the best parts too is like after the whole shootout inside, and it's really cool and really badass. Is then he kicks open the door, and you just get this ultimate 
ultimate wide view of probably like New Mexico, wherever they shot it at. And you just get this huge, it just makes the movie go from feeling like this little tiny bottle film inside this building to boom, the lights are open and everything like that. And you just get this giant grand, you know, Vista scape going on. Silverado. Yeah. And the crowd start rolling. Come to your senses. That's not how it goes. No. But um, this movie, yeah, it's from the very jump, kind of throws you into it. Um, I really did feel like I missed something. It was a little abrupt, but it was really good. Mm-hmm. And it, and then it doesn't really tell you exactly what happened there for no. a while. Like he, um, Scott Glenn's character, uh, Emmett. Mm-hmm. Like, I think so. Yeah, he's kind of like in this little shed, just doing whatever he's doing, you know, um, eat, you know. Whatever. We'll know that old song, <laughs> Old Dan Tucker. Oh, and, yeah. And wash his hair with a... Oh, he combed his hair with a wagon wheel, had a toothache in his heel. Mm-hmm. I just picture him being kind of tough and grizzled like that, probably eating shoe leather, you know, whatever he does in there. I don't mm-hmm. want to know. And then he just, yeah, all of a sudden he's getting shot up, and then he kind of leaves. And yeah. Then, um, Credits roll. Yeah. And then it's kind of it's cool because you kind of just slowly introduce the characters. I'm, I don't want to reveal how all of them are revealed and brought into the story. But it, the first like 30 minutes, mm-hmm. you're into it. You're really intriguing the characters. You're like, well, where the hell is this going? Because you met all these little people. You know, they're in the movie more. Yeah. And then you're like, how does this all coalesce? And it all just just kind of just slowly builds and grow, grows together. And man, this was such a, this is an underrated flick. Oh, so as I said, I think it just kind of, it's just one of those, there's a, there's actually a good handful of eighties movies that kind of get, they're really big movies, but they just sort of get bypassed. And I don't know if it's just the time and the era and so on like that, but this is one of those ones where it's like, you watch this, it's like, dude, you, it's one of those Westerns you can't complain at all about. I mean, it's solved the whole way through and just each of the introductions. I mean, you're going along the way and then all of a sudden it's like, there's another character that appears. It's like they get to that first town and whatnot where a couple of them met up already and so on like that. And it's like, there's John Cleese and he's like the sheriff of this town and he's only in it in the beginning part but it's just like whoa what the hell oh yeah i forgot john cleese was in it yeah, yeah. he's good in it yeah and he's, he's really chewing the scenery and everything like that and it's that thing where it's like he gets to come and kind of play like a serious role though it's still got just a bit of that wit and charm to it it's this movie falls into like a weird little area because a lot of the forgotten films in the 80s that ended up being big you know Blade Runner, The Thing, you know, Big Trouble in Little China. We can go on and on. There's all kinds of them. Mm-hmm. I found an audience later. They're all kind of unique or different in some way. This is just a really good film. You can't say it revolutionized anything. You can't say it's, you know, this groundbreaking Western, but it's just really, really good. But there's nothing to make it like when you're talking with people and you're like forgotten movies you must see in the 80s this is never going to be on that list mm-hmm. but if you see it you're always like damn this is a good movie it's kind of you know not talked about enough yeah um especially with the cast and how well everything is there's, there's really only one major flaw with this movie and we'll kind of discuss that and it's pretty big but it's not it doesn't really detract that much from the final product but um so this was your first viewing 
Yeah, as well as movies, I I want to say that I've probably seen like a bits and pieces back in the olden days, just in you know the era of when you just flip through TV and you just kind of go to different channels because it's like one of those ones like. But at the same time, I couldn't. It's been if I did see any of it, I couldn't remember anything of it because I've said you're just watching the credits and all of a sudden you just keep seeing these names appear and you're like, holy crap, what the hell? Like, what are we get? You know, we're mm-hmm. getting into all kinds of stuff here, and with that intro and just kind of getting all these characters and so on, just having everything's. About badass like you know you get like when danny glover's character's kind of introduced and he's sort of like the sniper guy just taking guys out left and right and whatnot and i guess he's technically introduced before he's introduced when he goes to the bar but i'm just thinking when he gets like his action scenes so you're like dude he's just kicking ass left and right here just taking people out do you know it reminded me of a little bit a lot of westerns remind me of this but it just this one particularly did and there's no really good reason for it Mm -hmm. because none of the characters match up but did you ever play possible tangent upcoming, but we're just in back in the super Nintendo days. Did you ever play sunset riders? Dude, that sunset riders is one of my all time favorite games ever. I have put so many hours into that game. Doesn't matter. Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, arcade, you know, I I got all the art, you know, whatnot. Like that's one of those arcade cabinets that one of these days, I'm just going to drop like $3,000 onto it. My cousin Luke has it. Oh, does he? He bought it. Oh, yeah, he, that, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, he bought the cabinet. The, the two-player or the four-player version? I want to say it was four-player. Oh, nice. I want to say. Because there's two different types. That's the reason I say that. I, I'm, I feel pretty confident. It was the, I, I can message him, and we'll find out by the end of the show, possibly. Yeah. But no, Sunset um, Riders, because well, here's the thing. I love Western so much, and I love Western video games. And the weird thing about Western video games is, like, you could pretty much count them all in one hand. They've, they have yeah. not made very many ones, especially back in the day. I mean, Sunset Riders, Gunsmoke, uh, you got Wild Guns. You know, there's just not tons. Lethal Enforcers 2, the gunfighters. Like, you know, there's not mm-hmm. tons of the Mad Mad or uh, Mad Dog McCree. Like, that's one of my favorites, too. But, um, you know, but there's so little. Even, like, this day and age, you got Red Dead Redemption being, like, so huge and popular but nobody else seems to throw another game out there you know we had gun before that but that, that's kind of it and it's kind of bums me out because yeah. it's like I, I just love western stuff anyways and you know I, really the, when we kind of grew up we kind of grew up in like the total era where westerns have just never been popular though we you know what i mean like it's, until until we got a little older yeah maybe but even still like the weird thing is westerns i mean like you always get like a couple of them a year and i know me and ryan dunnigan always kind of talk about this it's just like whenever there's a western movie in theaters you just go and see it it's like it feels like your civic duty to just support the cause or whatever it is even if it's not the greatest western you, you go there and you show your support you know because you're really only gifted maybe if you're lucky one two three movies you know i mean there's always some straight to dvd one or something like that but very rarely are they ever in theaters and whatnot and um i mean sometimes you get some really good ones like there's that uh Recently, or I guess two years ago or something like that, the um, Christian Bale one, I'm totally drawing a blank, but the Hostiles. Oh, Hostiles was really good. Oh, so good. You know, and it's like, well, that's the thing. It's like, I remember that being like the one of the two Westerns that came out in theaters that year, you know, so there's, there's just never very many. Well, the late 2000s, early 2010s, there was like a little renaissance, kind of like how we had that mini horror renaissance. I guess we're still in it. Mm-hmm. Um where we're getting a lot of remakes and reboots. Some are good, some are terrible. And then, like, it's starting, you're also getting some quality horror films. Like, remember, like, 2008, 2003, Tinder Yuma? Yep. A good awesome. I love that film. Uh, True Grit. Mm-hmm. Another good uh, remake. remake. The Coen Brothers, but that's better than the original. I'm sorry. I, I like both of them, but they, but they are good. Yeah. 
Yeah. And you had a lot of those in there. And then up, up until recently, then you had a lot of those neo-westerns like uh, No Country for Old Men and then Hell, Hell High, High Water. Water. Oh, that's fucking good. That, that, that movie has always been like uh, me and Dunning on this. And now when we always mention old man on podcast is like one of those things. It's like that was like one of the best movies of that year. But we didn't see it till like a couple of years later. It's just like, holy crap. If that if I would have saw that, that would have been like, you know, one top one or two films like that. Was so good. Taylor Sheridan had that run mm-hmm. with, you know, you had Sicario. Then Hill or High Water. And then when uh, did you ever see Wind River? Yeah, that, that was an interesting one. That, that, that was yeah, like, was, I, I didn't know what I was getting into exactly when I was, I was like, oh, okay, that's one of these type of movies. It's more like a murder yeah. mystery type thing. Yeah, well, that was, well, that was his directorial de- debut. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's technically part of a trilogy with the first two, like a kind of like a thematic trilogy or whatever you call those. Yeah, where well, they just are connected mm-hmm. in kind of some somewhat spirit or style. Yeah, like the Carpenter trilogy, the um, End of the World trilogy, or Apocalypse trilogy is what it calls it, but mm-hmm. way off topic. But yeah, still, reminds me of Sunset Riders. Yeah, exactly, because the way it is, is like you see all four characters and the way, especially there's a part where they're writing. It's a little bit later in the film. Y- yes. All four of them are writing. It's just that right angle. I'm like, dude, I, I'm pretty sure Sunset Riders might have even kind of aped from this movie. Yeah. Yeah, no. yeah. Sunset Riders was a big big part of my childhood oh god I, I, and, I, um, yeah that that one's one of those ones was, i don't know how much time i put into that it was uh he said it was four player oh that's that's even better to have the four yeah, player the four player one yeah yeah i mean um, that's a game that i probably beat like at least quarterly it, like since like 1993 or or i guess four i've probably beaten that game quarterly always no mm. matter what version yeah sunset riders um Quick break. Yeah. <laughs> you text him back? Yeah. Well, still, yeah. that That's one of those ones, just being able to, yeah, have that that, that arcade cam. That's one of those ones, like, I just want that arcade cam just in its original glory. You know, yeah, I know I, I'm, you know, I got my other arcade cam I put together with 10,000 games in it and whatnot, but I just want an original Sunset Riders just with the, you know, the, the painting mm. and all that good stuff. You know, we the marquee. on this one. Oh, we yeah. Are, we, like, a hundred things we have before, but, but this Sun, Sunset Riders, well, that's, to me, like, that just speaks magic to me. Like, Sunset Riders, it's like, you know, I would say, like, that's in, like, my top ten, like, best experiences in, like, a video game. You know, yeah. I'm not going to maybe say maybe like top 10 because it's kind of hard to compare like a 30 minute arcade game to like, you know, everything else. But like when I think of just experiences in life, Sunset Riders is something that has like defined me. And that might even be what even sets me forward to like why I like Western so much could almost even come from something like Sunset Riders. Yeah, because it was like, um, well, first of all, I was terrible at it. I'm not I'm not very good at video games. I've always been pretty bad at it. So, But my cousin, Luke, who had the cabinet, um, he He's tremendous, and I think he's probably smashed that game like a hundred times. And then, um, but I'll—I I'll, I'll, think my brother beat it too. But I don't even know where I got that game at. And I know we're still talking about this and not Silverado, but it's still Western-oriented. Yeah, I feel like it just ended up like my mom got me a bunch of games at one point, mm-hmm. and it kind of ended up in this pile. I'm like, I ain't playing this. This looks stupid, and it ended up being my favorite game out of you know. So. Yeah, I, do, I kind of feel like maybe Sunset Riders just, I mean, the characters are completely different. Yeah. In Silverado. But, yeah, I don't know. There's something about it. If you've never played that game and you have a chance to play it, 
to yeah. go play it. Well, you can literally go pick it up on PS4, Switch, Xbox, PC. They have it is on the. It, oh, it is on Switch, isn't it? They, they, they put it on like there's that. Uh, I'm trying to blank what they're called right now, but there's that arcade company that pretty much does like just the really good remasters of like all the old arcade games, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, they got it for sale on there too. And it's like you know they, you, you just always get a super solid version. I, when I saw that pop up on Switch, I'm like, yep, I'm gonna have it because why not? I, I'll, I'll take every version I could possibly have of Sunset Riders, you Sunset know. And I just want to say this real quick on the Sunset Riders. I gotta share. I'll probably share it with you later. But um, I have a Pizza Boys picture that I did that's Sunset Riders inspired, just like on a novelty kind of like promo thing. Dude, I actually have yeah, a T-shirt of it too. So you know what? Oh, I might need to get that. That's that's a big deal because I didn't know you were a big fan of it like I was. That game was so good. Yeah, um, that, that game. There's just not enough people that just have that same love for it. But once you meet somebody, you're like, oh my gosh, Sunset Riders. It's like. <sighs> I just got that energy from this film. It was just, <laughs> I think it was the way they introduced the characters is yeah. what it was. And like somehow I can't explain how, because, but there was like a camaraderie instantly, mm-hmm. just, just some type of familiarity, just something that brought you in with both that game and this movie that you just want to hang out with these characters. And yeah. there's no reason to want to with sunset riders, especially, but um, yeah, man, it's just something about it. But this movie has it's definitely inspired by you're right the the earlier westerns the 40s 50s um pre sergio leone westerns mm-hmm. um, pre spaghetti westerns it's got that kind of almost pulp kind of like you know the western version of flash gordon kind of feel almost because it's serialized it's 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 this would have been a great tv show yeah, well, it's kind of got almost even that sort of Western sort of, I, I'm going to call it kind of like the comic book feel, too, where it's got just a little bit of more of like a hero feel to it. Like, it's not like a realistic Western. It's not like a stylized Western. I guess you would say like the spaghetti Western, something like that. It has just more just like this good old fashioned, just like, hey, here's the good guys. Here's the bad guys. We're going to kind of kick ass, save the day, do what's right, and so on. And here's our kind of ragtag motley crew of fellas, you know getting together here and just the, the feel of it and, and plus i think too is also you got that soundtrack pumping that's like almost kind of like it, you know it's an 80s one but it's like really feels like that's what gives me a lot of feeling for like what we kind of get to and like i feel like that sort of steven spielberg george lucas era with all that just good you know almost sunny day feel and maybe it's just a nostalgic of that kind of time period in that age but just that like you know just a very like high spirits like you know music and so it, on it had a Sylvester feel. Yeah. I even looked it up to see if it was him. It's like it didn't sound like him, but it had a feel similar to that. It's a good score. It got nominated for best score, I think, at the Oscars. Yeah, I think something like that. Yeah. It w- I mean, it was a really, it was, it was a little much a few times, but it was really, really good. I mean, I, you know me, I always try to find the little things to complain, even when it's a good, good movie. <laughs> Just try to like, okay, why is this like a 70%? But, you know, all the characters were good. Kevin Costner's character annoyed me a little bit at first. <laughs> well, Kevin Costner's character, like, when, when he first comes out, it's weird because it's, like, it's not a normal Kevin Costner. Because, you know, in a sense, Kevin Costner, he just plays the dick guy really good. Like, that's who he always yeah. is. And I, I love Kevin for all that kind of stuff. But in this one, it's like, he's almost like character acting where he's playing the goofy kind of dumb, like, youthful figure guy where he's almost, like, kind of, like, partially retarded or kind of off. Yeah, I was going to say, there's a Gilbert Grapevine. <laughs> 
die yeah. I mean, like, his... at first he started, he's, like, hanging on, like, the bars in jail. He's like, yeah, man, I mean, I just kind of kissed a girl. Like, are you sure that's all you do? He's like, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, I was just hanging out, man. Like, it's, uh, it's I just gave happened. the rabbit a hug. Yeah, just, and then next you know. thing you know, my gun went off. I mean, both of them. You <laughs> just saying. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay, Kevin. And he's, like, swinging on the bars and stuff. Like, it's like, what are you doing? Like, are you like, yeah. like he's, he like, an eight-year-old at, like, a play park. <laughs> Yeah, he had to tone that character down just a little bit. Once he, once he got it dialed in, it was good. But at first, I'm like, I don't know. If I kind of want to punch this guy. And then then I got to really like the character. But Yeah, um, he, he comes around definitely. But at first, you're like, what the? Like, I think it's just because I, I, gotta say this, I think it's Kevin Costner is one of those kind of actors. He's an amazing actor. But if he's not kind of doing the Kevin Costner thing, some I feel he's kind of like a Clint Eastwood. Like those those few movies you get where they start character acting, you're like, what the hell is going on? You know, Kevin Costner kind of got beat up for a while because he had those bombs. Which are amazing um, films. Which, yeah. I, I'm very pro Kevin Costner. I don't give a shit what anybody says. Postman, amazing. Wyatt Earp, totally awesome. Waterworld, one of my favorites. You know, it's yeah. all those movies just get blamed because they were just they were just too expensive. That, that's, that was their problem, is they were just too expensive. He, if, if those movies would have made the money... He would have been looked at completely different. Look at James Cameron. He had, he had expensive ass movies. They just delivered at the box office. But yeah, Waterworld was a little ahead of its time. Yeah, because that's a movie that's it's sort of. It, I felt like that's kind of turned around. Like you know, I mean, like don't get me wrong. There's there's always been the defenders of the faith of Waterworld. And it seems like if you like Mad Max, how could you not like Waterworld? But um, yeah, it's one of those ones. As time has gone on, that one kind of. And even the people that made Waterworld, they're all like, "Yo, that movie was not a bomb." Like I, people say that, but like we, we, I mean, we didn't make the the Universal target intended money. But let's be honest. At the end of the day, because of Universal Studios and everything like that, Waterworld's probably made more money than more movies out there. Oh yeah, I yeah that movie's made a lot of money and <clears throat> kind of um, ADD kicked in just real quick. So all the characters in this, you know, you know, my favorite character was in this. Mm-hmm. The best, I think, the most well-rounded character and the best performance was actually Danny Glover. I agree. I felt Danny Glover stole the show so much in this. Yes. Danny Glover was so so good in this movie, and I thought that he was going to be underutilized, mm-hmm. and I kind of feel. Like intent, the intention was for him to be a kind of. I don't think he was supposed to be in this as much as he was. Mm-hmm. I just kind of felt like they, the the story kept going back to that character more and more. And um, because I felt like when he left at that one point, I said, oh, "I'm gonna go see my mama." I kind of felt like, "Oh, that's we're it." We're not gonna see him much. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna see him a couple more times, and he's gonna pop in at some random point in time. Like that one character in Action Jackson that just shows back up, like <laughs> at the very end. You know, I, yeah, yeah. I thought it was gonna be like that, but no. He's like he's vital to the story. Best character, best written character, best performance. And I'm gonna go ahead and say it. Eighties um, Denny Glover, prime Idris Elba. I'm going, I'm going Danny. Oh, it's, for me, Danny Glover, it's probably just growing up, just having like such a love of Lethal Weapon and Predator 2 and all that kind of yeah. stuff. It's like one of those ones like Danny Glover, he'll sell a movie to me so fast. Like even like yeah. it was it was like when I learned because I didn't see Saw when it first came out. But when I learned that Danny Glover was in it, I was like, I went out of my way. I'm like, oh, I got to see Saw now. Danny Glover's in there. What are you kidding me? That why was that not on the trailer? Maybe it was. I just didn't notice it. But I'm like that that to me, you slap him on the poster. I would have been there in two seconds. Danny, everybody loves that. It's so underutilized 
at different parts of his career. Like he, people love Danny Glover. Yeah, gone, um, gone fishing, one of the best ones. Don't get me started on gone fishing. <laughs> I can have a, I, you know, when I saw the tomato score for that, I'm like, what did I see? Yeah, no, gone because fishing. Shit, out of that oh movie. my gosh, that, that's that's another one. Like gone fishing and Sunset Riders, you combine that together, that is a perfect hangout night for me in the '90s. Yeah, well, you know, I think we should live stream something like you know we should. We're not gonna do this. Not gonna be a video game channel ever. At least this part of it. Now, if you want to develop it into something, I'm fine with it. We, we did it. We did a video game episode once that's sitting on like the the back burners of uh, my PC. Oh yeah, we're not that you talking about the N64. One? Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm planning on releasing that pretty soon. Well, I was I was talking more along the lines of uh, just in terms of actually playing video games, mm-hmm. but maybe if we could organize a Sunset Riders. Do a little sunset. Hey, I, I love how this turned into a sunset riders episode. Well, <laughs> as I said, like I mean, when you brought that up, I was like, that was the same thing. I was feeling it too. Watching yeah. this movie just gave me sunset riders vibes, and I was just like, yep, yeah. And it, it's really hard to put your finger on what it is. Mm-hmm. It really is. I think for me, there's that right when they kind of team up. That there's that one shot where they they roll to the edge of this canyon. Great shot, and there's the mountains in the background, and it's like, yeah, we're teamed up, and the music kicks in, like, yeah, we're going ride to go to fuck some shit up, Silverado, and then like, there's just a shot of the horses' heads, yeah, but like intent, like in a line, and like they're riding, and like, yeah, they're like, we're a team now. See, I, I could literally see this movie re-edited with Sunset Riders music, where it's just like, oh, I know, but still, just edit in some Sunset Riders music just for that, like, uh, nostalgic sake. And then like a like an intro scene, like with um, Elliot, and it's just like, with his guns or whatever, yeah. Movie was, the game was fire, man. Yeah. Just like this movie. So Just like this movie. This, yeah. the, that's this the, movie is very underrated. Oh, I think so. Um, it doesn't break any ground in the... It's just a good Western. Yeah. 80s didn't have enough of them. Off the top of your head, just what are some 80s like 80s westerns yeah it's like there's young guns that's like the that's like the kind Obviously. of the really big one and then there's a couple of those like kind of later days like i want to say like pale rider from clint eastwood um is 81 mm-hmm. i could be kind of wrong but i want to say that's right there um there's like um bronco billy or whatever the heck that one is by clint eastwood too i mean that's more of a modern day western because that's a, but still like the, like the only things i kind of think of is in like the the early 80s is there's like those movies that they kind of call them sort of like the i guess like the good old boy kind of maybe even redneck i always kind of like to call them more the good old boy films but like that kind of era that follows after like dukes of hazard and Smokey the bandit that kind of has that cowboy vibe and feel but it's not necessarily like a straight 1800s western stuff yeah, as a matter of fact, I think another reason the 80s wasn't kind to Westerns is because it was like almost became a parody at that point. Mm-hmm. Like I look up 80s Westerns when the first ones that pops up is Three Amigos. Oh, yeah. Well, that's a great film, though. It is a good film. But you also had like uh, towards the end of the 80s, you had City Slickers. Oh, that's an amazing one right there, yeah. too. Yeah. So you start getting a lot more of, I guess, the comedy one. Because really, I guess the next really big one, other than Dance with Wolves, I guess there's that one, too, because that's 90. But uh, I think yeah, 91 90. is Unforgiven. And that's kind of the, yeah. that other real like that almost felt like the Western to end all Westerns, like almost like the Unforgiven was almost even designed to be like if this was the last Western ever made, it's sort of like, you know, 
solidifies the whole experience. In a sense, the whole Clint Eastwood experience, because it almost feels like that character could be like you take all Clint Eastwood's like, you know, big characters and like fuse them together. And that's just him old and where he's at now. Unforgiven is just so damn good. So good. Um, a couple things to touch on in this show. We touched on the score. I thought the costumes were really good. Mm hmm. Um, I thought that was something that's kind of like you, you kind of forget about with Westerns, but they all look cool as hell. Yeah. They all had their unique style, especially with the guns, too. There's attention to detail with the guns. Yep. Even John Cleese has some British gun that they never used in a Western before. Yeah, well, that, that's so, what like is like the, the characters took on kind of like who they sort of were. So it's like, here's a British guy in here. Even when they had Jeff Goldblum in here, he kind of, you know, his nickname was Slick and everything like that. And he was almost like kind of supposed to be. They call him like the gamble, but it felt like he was supposed to be like the pimp. <laughs> yeah, like, he did. Go ahead, yeah. Have more of a Because the movie has is. like a. Like a PG thirteen, so it does have that like even though it's still violent and carries all that kind of stuff, it's still kind of just that slightly toned down. But I feel like that's the kind of capture that serial feel. Like it says no different than like how Star Wars sort of does. But this this almost feels like this is Star Wars, but for a straight up Western. Like it's just like hey, take all the stuff you love from old sci fi, you know. And then that's what, you know, Star Wars becomes is like you put in Dune and you put in like Flash Gordon and you put in all that old stuff. And now you kind of combine that together. And that's almost what this feels like is this almost feels like, yeah, you take all those, you know, movies from back in the day, you know, 40s, 50s, anything from just even like John Wayne to um, I should draw a blank right now on some of those ones right now. There's one I can think of. It's black and white. It's in the 50s. I know it describes like a lot of movies. It's, I can think because it's shot actually up where I'm at. There's, it has a bunch of scenes up here, but I'm just trying, totally drawing mm. a blank on it. Whatever. That, that's just, it's at that point of the night, but still. Yeah. Um, like that movie reminded me a lot of like like big things here and whatnot, too. Yeah, this yeah. See Silverado. It's on Netflix right now. Everybody has Netflix or you know somebody that has it and you can steal the code. Uh, if you're into yeah. watching eighties movies and I know a lot of you have seen this. It just kinda of missed you know, it's my radar. I I've known about it for a few years. I knew Kazan directed it a few years ago and I thought I need to give this film a chance and eventually I got to it. Wish I got into it sooner. Um this film would have I would have loved to see some sequels from this. Mm -hmm. This could have, you could have easily done three movies with this and the characters just evolve and, you know, do more and more with them. But man, this was such a fun film. Brian Dennehy's he's great in it. We've got to mention him. Yep. Um, he, the, the, he kind of slowly reveals himself as the bad guy. And really there's no main antagonist until I'll say probably about the 45 minute mark. And in that, where that kind of evolves, but it's the first like 45 minutes of this film is just kind of like all the characters storylines kind of coalescing in this. And then it, then it takes off from there. Mm -hmm. No. Um, yeah. It kind of rotates around until you kind of figure out where it was really quick. I just want to say that movie I was thinking of was high noon with Gary Cooper. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. There we go. Makes sense. But, um, yeah, there's, um, definitely one of the best Westerns of the eighties, even though there's not much of a choice. Mm -hmm. I, I, um, I will say it's more fun than Young Guns. A special place in my heart for Young Guns. Probably overall, honestly, a better movie. Yeah. Definitely better acted than Young Guns. But I, I can't say I love it more than Young Guns. Because yeah. Well, for me, it's Young Guns 2 is where it's at for me there. But mm. they're both good. Yeah. They're both good. You know, but um, but this is one of those ones like this is like that thing. Like, you know, if this was on anybody's like top 10, like Western films, wouldn't I be like, oh, I totally get it. Like, that makes sense. 
You yeah. know what I mean? Like, for me, it's like, I don't know, that'd be a tough one to see, like, you know, where it would be exactly on there, because it's like, nothing I can complain about. Everything in it's super solid, super good. But, um, but yeah, where, where it would fall, you know, I would still say hi, and it's definitely pretty darn good the whole way through. And it captures, it's one of those ones that, like, this movie right here, like, if you almost even never saw a Western, this one could give you, like, a lot of, like, Western. Almost, you, you get a lot of bang for your buck out of this one. Like, it gives you a lot of these, like, things all in one package. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do want to mention real quick, in this film has, like, a 72% of Rotten Tomatoes. I think if this is – I like to always bring that up because I'm an advocate for reevaluating films. Mm-hmm. I think that films should be reevaluated by critics and reassessed every 10 years. Yeah, personally, um, I think this would get a little bit higher score. I will say there's one major flaw with this film, and it is a legitimate flaw. And it's Rosanna Arquette's character. They kind of introduce her as a love interest. Oh, to, to uh, Kevin Klein's character. Oh no, okay, and, yeah, that that one, and, yeah, yeah. And then they then later on, she's kind of a love interest to um, uh, uh, Emmett. Um, what is his name? Oh, uh, Scott Glenn. Thank you. Goodness gracious. See, we forget his name. Uh, then she's kind of like a love interest of Scott's Glenn's, Scott Glenn's character. And they never really just, she's just a kind of a pretty lady that wants to farm and it, they never really do enough with that character. And they, they, I read that a lot of her stuff ended up on the cutting room floor and you can tell. Yeah. Cause yeah, I, I, like, I was thinking the same thing too. Cause like at the very end of the movie, it's like, she's just kind of there and you're like, Oh Yeah. I forgot she was a part of something here, but like, and that's, those are those many of things that's like, I would love knowing that there is kind of extra footage and so on. This movie probably would be, it probably would benefit from like, Hey, let's just go out and just make a little bit of an extended cut just for novelty sake, if anything. Yeah, I I would buy it. I'd be yeah. interested in it. Um, kind of know what happened to that character. Cause I remember there was a point in the movie where Kevin Klein is like, um, yeah, he, he's kind of like courting her for a little bit and yeah. not really interested in her and trying really hard. And then all of a sudden at one point he's in the bar. It's like, well, if you're kind of interested in her, I'm not going to get in your way. Is basically what he says to Scott Glenn's character, to Elliot. And then you kind of see them having like a little bit of a thing and then it just disappears. The whole, it just yeah. doesn't show back up. So that it, was screwed up. It reminds me of that thing. It's sometimes that problem you get when you get too many characters because there's mm-hmm. only, in a sense, enough time for, you know, so many things. It's not that you, you just got to have only a couple characters, but there's something that gets to, like, there's a certain number where it's just like, okay, now we've just run out of screen time for these other characters. Because I think also it's like the farther we get in here, we start, because this movie also starts introducing characters, like, even way late in the movie, like an hour and a half into it. Because I almost want to say Jeff Goldblum doesn't even appear until, like, yeah. an hour. Yeah, if not even longer than that, because then once Jeff Goldblum's character comes in, then we get Danny Glover's sister comes in. So we start getting these other characters stacked on top. Then we get, uh, what's her name? Who? Well, she sort of owns the bar. She runs the bar. That starts to become like another main character. The the lady from like, um, I think she's from like NCIS or whatever. That's what I was saying. Or maybe not. not yeah. But whatever. Like you, you would immediately recognize her. Yeah, exactly. You know, so there's all that kind of stuff. So we start actually, it, it's kind of a weird one where like you start off and like you get introduced to like the first, you know, I don't know, I guess like eight characters, if you kind of include some of the, the bad guys who kind of turn later and so on. And then it's like, yeah, past an hour later, you get introduced to a second wave of characters and so on. It's not saying that's anything kind of bad, but I think the downfall is, is we've gotten so many characters at some point, it's almost like 
Yeah, she almost needs a. It's like it's almost kind of like with the new 007 movie, where they probably could have just combined some of those characters instead of having so many of them. And I almost feel she could almost have been combined. She almost could have been combined. It sounds weird, but with the lady running the bar, that could have been her. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and she they, wants to get into the property and just, you know, I, I kind of hate to say it, but like sometimes some of those characters kind of would probably work better if they were simplified and kind of there, and that would have equal the screen time out for them or something like that. I, I personally think that this would have been a great, this would have been better as a miniseries, mm-hmm. uh, like Lonesome Dove. Oh yeah, because um, Lonesome Dove also had Danny Glover, Tommy Lee Jones, Robert Duvall. Um, I'm looking at it right now. It's, I mean, damn, what a cast for that. Chris Cooper, Angelica Houston. I mean, Jiminy Christmas. Yeah, tons. Um, yeah, this could have, you could have expanded on so many different storylines, got to know the characters, because you just wanted to get to know the characters more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have a slow reveal of the Brian Denny character, kind of let that kind of fester, like, hey, maybe he's a dick. Oh, he's a dick. Is he a dick? Mm-hmm. He's a dick. You know, and, and kind of stretch it out because that's 384 minutes on Lonesome Dove. That's what this this film needed that. Yeah. Well, it's like, and I kind of wonder, what would you think this movie would be like if it was just because I think it only just breaches a little over the two hour mark. I could be kind of wrong, but I thought it was only like two hours and like 10 or hours and 12. That's with credit. So probably a little over two hours. Yeah. Like what, what if this movie was a two and a half? Do you think that would have kind of filled in sort of the void right there? And just, I mean, and there's always more you can always expand on, but just an extra, in a sense, 20 minutes. I think if it was made today, it would have been. Yeah. I think if it was made today, they would have done it. I wasn't bored. No, well, that's the so. only thing is I, I say with this movie is I feel if it does become a two and a half hour movie, does that extend it too much? Because it's almost like pacing wise, it's perfect. It's like really, I guess, if the only like most minor fault there is is that there's just some characters that just don't get enough screen time to kind of flesh them out. That that's if that's the only problem. That's really not so bad compared to like the fact that it, it the thing runs as smooth as all can be. So yeah. I'd be afraid that almost as I said, like I wouldn't mind seeing an extended cut just for novelty's sake. But for the core theatrical release, a two and a half hour one might have made it drag just ever so slightly. Mm-hmm. This is just a couple nerds. Like nerding, nerding out, and like, what if you know, taking something too far? Because honestly, quite it, honestly, Silverado as is is great. Well, that's what I mean. I, and, I, I, I think yeah. this movie's perfect four out of four. Like, I, I, like my whatever like minor complaints are really they're, they're so minor. They're not even really complaints. I feel I just feel like it's it's more like an understandable like, hey, sometimes there's just certain things that just aren't always going to work out a hundred percent the yeah. way you want them to. Go watch it if you've never seen it. Yeah. It's Definitely amazing. go watch it. Um, and so the moral of the story for this podcast, this episode, mm-hmm. watch Silverado and play Sunset Riders. Yeah, buddy. Um, if you could do them both in one night and have some friends over. Oh, you got you know what I mean? Like get some Slurpees and whatnot, really like flesh out this experience here. Finish the night yeah. off with some gone fishing. I know it sounds oh. like it doesn't fit in, but it does. It will, especially with the Slurpees. We gotta get the gone fishing again. Yeah, we did that years ago. Well, wasn't that like yeah. a, one of those lost episodes? I didn't think that one ever made it to. Did it? I don't think it did. Yeah, I don't think it did. We gotta do gone fishing because, man, I got so many stories about that movie. Yeah. Um, but anyway, thanks for listening. If you're watching on Twitter, thanks for stopping by and hanging out. This is not gonna be something we do on a consistent basis. Once um, I'm gonna get past this month because any day now. Baby number two is going to be here. Um, so I'm going to 
this may be the last episode um, before that. We might get one more in. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll kind of just see how things play out. Um, but, um, yeah, we won't be doing this fully live on Twitter all the time, but we do have some ideas for live broadcasts and streams, and we might even do some pre-episode stuff. So we're we're playing around with this. We've got a lot of things in the works with um, – we're, we're big fans of what's going on at StreamYard so, and how it's helping us. So yep, I'm impressed. That. Yeah, same. Uh, but more of that once the baby comes. So February is not going to be as – it's going to be a lot of the backlog episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe maybe into the first week of March, but then kind of depending on when the baby gets here. But after that, it's full steam ahead with, with what we're doing. So thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. Um Obviously, Spencer, oldmanorange.com, right? Oldmanorange.com. That's where you can find more podcasts, comic books like Pizza Boys, old animations and videos, and all that other fun stuff. Yeah. Sunset Riders references. Sunset Riders references. Yes, yes, yes. Hey, I I got t-shirts. If you come down, I mean, I know, well, since this is streaming live, I feel I can say this, and it doesn't have that weird, like, oh, well, it'll come up, like, three weeks past, but uh, in a small, or a smaller kind of county of Amador County at Plymouth, I'm going to Comic-Con this Sunday, and I'll have those Pizza Boys Sunset Riders t-shirts. I call it the Pizza Boys arcade t-shirt, because it's technically kind of like a crossover stuff of, it's got a Sunset Riders, a Metal Slug, and a Ninja Turtles. Mm, Yeah, the Ninja Turtles kind of interesting was kind of similar. In a weird way, mm-hmm. um, Sunset Riders. Well, they're both so. Konami games, so that makes. Oh, when it makes, yeah, yeah. Gosh, that's why it's so good. Yep. Ah, man, nostalgia right there. But um, thanks for listening. Um, if you're already listening on Twitter, you know where to find us on Twitter at via VHS Pod. But if you're not, that's where to go find us. On, I'm sorry, at via VHS on Instagram at via VHS Pod. A lot of cool stuff coming on the way. Maybe some retro wrestling. Maybe some old commercials. We're talking about doing kind of like a mm-hmm. live stream. So maybe watching some 80s and 90s commercials. Probably more 90s because we'll remember it. Yeah. Well, this sounds um, weird, though. I watched a crap ton of uh, 80s commercials because I had all the VHSs taped off TV. No. Hey, you know what? <laughs> uh, shits and giggles. I don't know, it might not turn out the same for you as it did for me. Go, um, just type in your birthday on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Like the actual day you were born. Like just the date, but like yes. the official day. Um, you, you'll find, I found some really cool commercials. Yeah. Cause it comes up, you know, Sam Peckinpah died the day I was born. Yep. And uh, what I found a news report that was like, Sam Peckinpah died the day. I was like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> so weird. And so, yeah. But, um, anyway, thanks for listening to VHS podcast. Go to oldmanorange.com. Find all kinds of cool stuff there. Stay tuned for more awesome retro nostalgia goodness. And with that, via VHS is out.